0: You are listening to Scotland's Ear to the Ground, the podcast that brings you interviews with Scotland's finest composers.
1: Your hosts are Aileen Sweeney and Ben Eames.
0: today we have not one but three guests joining us for this special bonus episode focusing on art making in the Anthropocene. With us we have composers Stuart McRae and Emily Doolittle and violist Catherine Wren. Hello!
1: Hello! Hello! Hello!
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Emily to start off could you tell us a little bit about the project and what it is collectively you're hoping to achieve?
2: Uh, yeah, so um, we're just right now preparing for a concert, which is the final event of a series of research workshops funded by the Royal Society of Edinburgh and the Royal Conservatory of Scotland. So we've had um, eight talks, each with two or three speakers, all on different aspects of the idea of art making in the Anthropocene. And then we have this concert of seven pieces by Scottish or Scotland-based composers that are somehow about the Anthropocene, um and or the environment and for people who aren't familiar with the term anthropocene it sort of refers to the geological era in which human activity is having an enormous effect on the environment around us. You know, for thousands of years, humans, of course, lived in the world but didn't have a much larger effect than other species of animals. But for the past, depending on how you count it, 10,000 years or 400 years or 50 years or 10 years, our, um, it, people sort of started the Anthropocene at various different times. Our activities have had a, a sort of outsized effect on the world around us compared to that of other animals. Um, so... You know, I think we're all becoming increasingly aware of things like climate change and pollution. I think we've all known about them for years, but I think many of us now, where you know, 15 years ago, the idea of climate change seemed sort of abstract. We're all experiencing changes in weather pa- patterns that are far outside the um, realms of what might be considered just normal variation. And you know, as we're doing this interview, we're still just coming out of. Um, Covid lockdown and of course pandemics are also a uh, an aspect of the Anthropocene as people get closer and closer to wild animals and to areas and habitats are destroyed and diseases can um, spread more easily. So I guess we wanted to you know organize a series of talks and the concert to figure out what can we as artists do to address the world we're living in right now. Cause I think sometimes it seems like we need scientists to deal with these problems. We need doctors to deal with the, you know, the pandemics. We need people to create sustainable technology and so on. But of course we're not any of those people. We're artists, but we can't just keep ignoring what's actually happening in the world.
3: It's also a, in a way, talking to a a bunch of different artists and activists and scientists about it throughout this series has allowed us to kind of explore what it means to be an artist reflecting on this time. So not just living in this time, but actually looking back at what humans' relationship to the rest of the world is. And I think that's something that's concerned uh, both Emily and myself, and I know Catherine as well, uh, in a lot of our work, Um not, not all of it is kind of always under the umbrella term Anthropocene in a way. And I think uh, it's a useful kind of catch all, but it's not necessarily a term that one fully subscribes to. You don't say, yes, I'm an Anthropocene artist or something. <laughs> it's, it's more about framing the time that we're living in and those kinds of relationships and uh, setting it up in a way that can create a kind of conversation around the work uh, and its relationship to the wider world.
2: Yeah, I have to confess, I actually don't like the term Anthropocene very much, but it is a really convenient term for sort of encompassing a lot of things we need to talk about. For example, if you say climate change, that's really talking about the environment. But if you start talking about the Anthropocene, then you talk about all the things that led to the destruction we're facing now, like the legacy of colonialism and capitalism and all kinds of things that, um, you know, have not only led to the environmental destruction we have, but are also continuing to drive that. Yeah, I'd just like to um,
1: add as a musician as well that um, I, I've managed to attend some of the talks just, just as a, um, I suppose, um, a member of the audience. And um, I'd second what Stuart said, that um, bringing an artist from across all disciplines has been... Um, a really good and enlightening way of, of look, looking at the subject. It helps you kind of reflect on your own practice, but it also just takes you a little bit away um, from the work that you're doing and helps you come in and, and look at it from, from a different viewpoint and be a little bit more creative about, about how you might get that message across um, about mankind's place in the environment and what, what mankind is, is doing to the environment um so i think it's it's a really open and um and thought provoking
2: series of talks we've we've had eight talks and each one has sort of a slightly different theme um and you know anybody who's attended several of the talks will you know know that each of the speakers has quite a different relationship to you know how they relate to the anthropocene and the environment a different approach um obviously different artistic practices, but also sort of different conceptual frameworks. Uh, And, you know, that's eight talks. But when we were initially thinking of the themes for, um, you know, for the talks, we probably had a list of 20, and there certainly could have been 20 or 50 or 100 more. And then for each of the talks, we had lists of, all kinds of artists who would be, um, you know, really interesting to invite. But of course, we could only invite two or three for each talk. But I think, you know, so we've had a total of nine or we will have had a total of 19 people giving their perspectives. But those are really just representative of a much larger number of ideas and viewpoints and ways of relating to the world that would be out there. You know, I sort of, I mean, obviously, after this series is over, we will take a well-earned break from organising talks. But I do sort of wish, like, I could go on organising talks because there's just so many great people really um, doing really heartfelt and thoughtful and artistically interesting work to engage with, yeah, what's around us.
0: You've said that there's a series of online discussions which are all available for people to catch up on. On the rcs website is there any sort of key issues or ideas that have like jumped out at you guys that you'd like to highlight to any listeners tonight
3: i think one of the things that's come up a few times is about how we can carry on making art without doing more of the kind of damage that we acknowledge we're doing to the to the planet and that's something that's come up a few times i think Or if we can't, you know, so that might mean less touring, it might mean less traveling for work. Um, There are all sorts of sustainable practices people are thinking about, but it also means breaking down the barriers between ourselves, the perceived barriers between ourselves and other parts of the environment or nature. And a a lot of artists have uh, shown us some incredible work where they uh, have really integrated themselves with. Uh, the environment with a place with other people uh, or with animals and I think that that some of those things have been really inspiring to me that they that there are things that I have maybe had a glimmer of being able to imagine in the past and then you see other people are actually doing it and it's really amazing to see the way that they've gone about creating that practice
2: one idea that has come up several times is that you know obviously many aspects of the Anthropocene are really horrible, heartbreaking things. And if you really sort of contemplate, say, the enormity of all the destruction that's going to be caused by climate change, just for one example, it's almost it can be too much to think about. It can be too much to really internalize. Or if you do, it can be hard to feel like you can move forward. Um, And one idea that a number of artists have brought up in a number of different contexts is that art can provide a sort of maybe an intermediary in a sense between you and thinking about that issue. So for example, you can create art that's very beautiful um, or that, you know, sort of makes you feel contemplative or draws you in and you can look at that, but you can also think about difficult issues maybe in a way that makes it not quite as scary to think about them so you can actually internalize them and do something about them or, you know, you can just let them in... um, As as you're ready, so they don't overwhelm you. So a number of artists sort of talked about either in their own work or in work they'd seen where the art is something you can focus on that allows you to concentrate on these issues, but without getting sort of swept away by them.
0: Yeah, it's just about sort of giving you the mindset to sort of think about it in sort of a less stressful way, I guess.
3: Yeah, one of our. One of our speakers, Sarah Nichols, had an amazing uh, phrase, uh, which was to do with how do you activate your audience? You know, thinking about this idea of an artist as an activist, um, what you're trying to do is activate the audience and actually get them to question things themselves, rather than provide them with answers. Um, And I think that's a shift from what people were talking about maybe even just a few years ago with respect to environmental art and, and artists responsibilities where it was assumed that artists could help to communicate a message about something or to share the findings of scientists. I think we've moved on to a place now where artists are actually challenging both scientists and, and uh, the general public uh, to think about these things without necessarily claiming to provide or represent the answers.
1: I think for me as well, um, and, and it comes back to that idea of, um, that Emily was talking about of, um, of maybe just making it less of a scary issue, less of a big issue um, by, I think for me, um, kind of engendering that, that love of the environment as well um, through music so that you, you get people to focus on the amazing things and the beautiful things um, that there are in the environment so that they actually start to really care um, that, that those things are preserved and, and are looked after, um, which, um, I, I know we'll come on and talk about this a little bit later, but I think that's something that, that comes out in, in this program of music that we've put together as well.
2: I think a lot of the artists do community related work as well, whether it's sort of the main body of what they do or just one part of their artistic creation. But I think that's another, you know, um, Focusing on sort of the positive things we can do together, first of all, maybe helps people envision and create a better world. But also, maybe helps shift, um, you know, or, you know. For example, if you're creating community-based art, um, then you're not seeing the band that flew in this night and then the band that flew in the next night and the band that flew in the night after that. Um, And of course, travel is always going to be a part of artistic creation. But I think we all need to have sort of strong local art making networks as well and things that involve all kinds of people, not just professionals. So I think, um, yeah, I guess community work can sort of help strengthen the bonds between people and maybe you know, help them make changes that need to be made. And it's also providing something else we can do together rather than spending more money, you know, buying things or, yeah. don't <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know. so buy things, make music.
1: Exactly.
3: exactly. <laughs> buy music too.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I think as well that... um that that idea of working in the community and and really embedding yourself in a community is is something that you can do um, to to make that travel worthwhile if you like as well. I mean, one of the things that I try to do in my practice is if if I do travel a distance to work, that I then stay there for a period of time. I mean, absolutely not this jetting in and and doing one one gig if I can possibly avoid it. I mean, it's it's going and being in a community for a week for for my own work as well, just listening to the voices that are there so that feeds into my my wider work i mean that's definitely something that i like doing and i think is valuable to do to to encourage audiences to talk back to you um and spend time listening um and you know spend whether it's a week or a fortnight or whatever it is actually in that community um you know using your time wisely um and doing as much work as you can um for the journey that you've made if that if that makes some kind of sense I think that's that's quite an important yeah. thing to think yeah. about
3: yeah that's a really good point Catherine yeah.
1: yeah definitely
3: I hadn't thought of it that way
1: yeah and it's almost sort of
0: glamorized in a way sometimes when you hear people like oh I, I jetted in for this gig and you know and that right and so it's actually it's quite important to question that and think more carefully about that
2: yeah well I think also if you don't get to know the community maybe you know I mean if you don't know who what the community is you don't actually know what art they need or what will be helpful for them and I think there can be um, I don't know I mean sometimes there can be something sort of problematic about saying these people need to hear this world famous you know whatever right now and of course I mean you know I love most art so I actually probably think it's for most people to hear most anything, but at the same time, there might be a community that has a knee, a real need for a particular kind of art right then. And if people take time to get to know, you know, just the people around them and the people in the places they're going, then maybe it will make, you know, it'll be easier to create longer term relationships and relationships that are sort of more reciprocal, as Catherine says, rather than just somebody's flying in and giving them something, but maybe not what they're actually asking for. So,
3: Catherine, your Ensemble Nordic Viola are performing in the concert on the 27th of April. The pieces featured in the concert are all inspired by the environment in some way.
1: Uh, What can audiences expect to hear? I think we've taken the approach to the the Anthropocene and um, the music that we've chosen to that in, in quite a broad and liberal way, um, so we've got some music um, that actually incorporates environmental sounds into the into the pieces. Um, we've got other pieces, um, Emily's Gardenscape, for example, that that um, imitate in some way nature and interpret nature the way the way that we hear it and, um, and actually encourage us to, to I think really focus um, on on the sounds that are there. I have to say actually, since um, I put Emily's piece together. Um, Every time I go out, I find myself really focusing on these birds now and, and hearing them much more than I ever did. um yeah I, it's almost something that draws you in more than having the real sound um Lisa Robertson's piece too um you know that imitates sounds from nature and I make you think oh you know absolutely that 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 is that sound you know it's recreated instrumentally but but you know that is that sound from nature um but also um looking a little bit more um obliquely um at the subject uh, we've got a piece by martin something which actually i suppose takes the natural order of things um it, it takes the harmonic series so the overtones that you get um from a fund- fundamental note um and the tuning system that that gives you so just intonation so all, all of us are kind of used to hearing pianos that are tuned in equal temperament with all the semitones equally spaced um Whereas if you listen to a harmonic series, um, the notes are in pure ratios and it sounds quite different to that, actually. And, and I, I actually spent some time um, working with Martin and, and deciding where we wanted these pitches to be. Um, and Martin talks about how um, initially, um, you know, you, you experience these sounds as being out of tune Um you know because it's not what we're used to hearing but gradually you settle into this feeling of rest and it, it, it almost is a very natural feeling thing that these these intervals are very neutral and very calming um, and you know feel for want of a better word for natural Um, so, yeah, so we've got a wide variety of, of styles and approaches to looking at nature in music. Um, and I, I've also managed to um, incorporate a little bit of film um, with, with some of these pieces that I hope do inspire people um, about the landscapes um, that inspired the composers and make them want to think about protecting and caring um, for these environments.
0: So that brings us on to our last question which is quite a big question I guess. What do you hope the legacy of this project will be?
2: So obviously we had planned to do this as three you know in person day-long events and when we first found out that we had to do it online um, I think it took a while to regroup and get over feeling disappointed that we couldn't you know, plan to meet in person, it took a long time to figure out, you know, what we could even inspe- uh, expect in terms of making plans. But once we realized that we really needed to do it online um, and started thinking about speakers to invite, um, I think it became really interesting. For the most part, we tried to pair up a speaker from Scotland or a speaker from the UK with a speaker from somewhere else in the world. Um And I really enjoyed bringing together people with either similar interests or similar approaches who maybe didn't know each other before, but actually had um, many commonalities in their work. And I, uh, you know, again, I know many of the audience members are also um, artists doing something related to the Anthropocene or academic uh, or activists or um, researchers researching, you know, eco art students wondering what direction they might want to go in. So I really, I'll be curious to see if any collaborations or sort of further events grow out of this. So that's, I'm just really curious to see where all these sort of um, introductions go. And of course, you know, I wish we could have done things in person and had people, you know, standing around the coffee table, able to talk with each other. But at the same time, then we couldn't have invited speakers from the States and Canada. um, And we couldn't have had listeners from all over the world um so I think there have been some real positives as well that's one thing I hope to see come from it
3: yeah I agree I think a lot of uh, collaborations start around the coffee table at events like these that w- when they're held in person so I wonder you know I th- I think that some kind of relationships will will begin at this point and and that's great but it's impossible to see how much that's going to work in in the current sort of situation um but i think you know looking forward we hopefully will be able to continue uh to maintain some of that network and actually certainly a lot of our speakers the, the artists activists scientists uh, wanted to continue communicating with each other and many audience members as well so somehow kind of making sure everyone has a way of staying together might be an important thing to do. Um, I think uh, another thing that that I a kind of emerging theme in terms of legacy that I can see is uh, everybody thinking about how to become uh, a more local sort of artist or a more community kind of artist. So in other words, thinking about uh, what you're doing with relation to people and place rather than just thinking about it with relation to yourself and what you want to do. And and actually this, this thing that Catherine was talking about of really kind of uh, working with a community, whatever that community is, uh, in order to actually integrate art with what people really want and need. Uh, that's something that I think uh, this could help to contribute to going forward.
1: I concur with everything that, that um, Stuart and Emily have said. And I think the thing that I'd like to add is, is a very simple thing, but um, it's something we've touched on, but but not really said. Um, um, and that is that I, I really hope the concert in particular can be a real showcase for um particularly the young composers that we have here in Scotland. And I I think it's great that we can get that out to an audience around the world. Um, I mean, Stuart and I um, went through several scores for this concert and we're absolutely bowled over by the standard um, of of composing that there is in Scotland just now and the engagement of those composers with these issues and the fact they're not afraid to take them on um, and to write this music. So um, I think one of the big things I'd like to see, um, speaking just for the concert, I suppose, but um, r- would be um, recognition um, of, of the excellence that we have in the field here. And I would hope that some of those composers themselves might be able to go on and collaborate with some of the other artists who've, who've taken part in the series.